Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing Monday's interview with Cynthia Pluchet, who shared about her experience working with boards, group dynamics, and how to deal with conflict well. Joining me back in the studio to discuss this interview are my friends and fellow leaders, Anna Maria Dempsey and Michelle Mahalko. So what did y'all think about Monday's interview with Cynthia? I think what stuck out the most and honestly was kind of humbling for me was the concept of it is your job as the leader to make sure everyone's included. Everyone's voice is heard. That's a good word. Yeah. Michelle, how about you? Yeah, I think listening to the podcast, I just kept thinking I would love to be her friend. She seems like somebody who's very wise and compassionate, which I think sometimes leaders can forget the need to be good listeners and good empathizers with with whoever they're leading. And I think that was a theme throughout what she talked about is the need to be compassionate and to listen to other perspectives. One of the things that I love that she said toward the end of the interview was that people want to see their better selves in their leaders. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, do you, as you think back through the leaders that you follow, the leaders that you look up to, do you follow them because you see your better self in them? Or would you identify something else as the reason that you want to follow particular leaders? I would say absolutely. When I think of the leaders I've looked up to the most, it was It was both my better self and there was also this element of support that's obviously important from a leader. But yeah, for sure, they definitely had what I wanted to grow in. Michelle, how about you? Yeah, I can think of two specific examples in my head right now, one who's a public figure and one who I know personally. And both of them are are just women I consider to be bold, women who I consider to stand firm in their values but also be very kind and wise. So I think those are things that I'm constantly seeking to refine in myself. I consider myself a very extroverted person, so I'm I have opinions, I'm not afraid to to be outspoken, um but I think having models who are that way but also do it in the right manner has been really good for me. And that's one thing that's really valuable in learning from people who are older and wiser. Mm-hmm. You may have the same desires, but they've been through the experience and maybe can teach you from some of their own pitfalls in the past. So one of the things that Cynthia also talked about was that board members don't get to be involved in the day-to-day activities and operations of a business. And I think we all kind of know that, but it made me wonder, do you think that you would be a good board member for that reason? Or would you be willing and able to kind of step back and let other people direct the day-to-day stuff while you kind of just provide oversight and a a broader vision for an organization? I think 
I would personally probably not be the best board member because like I said before, I think I'm a little bit more opinionated than most would want on a board. So uh, I definitely wouldn't make decision making easy. I will say opinions can be a really good thing to have though. Yeah. But at, at the same time, it can be difficult to have opinions and to not have those enacted. Yeah. That, it, that's definitely a difficult thing. The part, especially the part of not being able to do things as much and be more in a supervising position. I think that would be a little bit harder. Yeah. Anna Maria, any thoughts? Yeah. I, you know, as you were saying, Josh, I think it is important to have someone ask tough questions and give some pushback in any sort of decision-making situation. I recently became a board member of the Epilepsy Foundation of Mississippi, um, and we've only had a couple of quarterly meetings, and so I'm very new to learning how this even works. But I can definitely see how when there's 20 people around a table, you're dealing with a lot of different opinions. Um, but I think it makes it really great, especially the more variety there is in the board members. And so I'm enjoying that so far. I, I do see how it could be difficult if you were in a situation where you really were maybe interest, even more especially interested, that would be hard to kind of be hands off with what's going on in the day to day. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting dynamic, it sounded like, from my conversation with Cynthia. At one point, Cynthia talks about how you need to be a people person. You need to have people person skills, at least, when you're a leader. And so I have a question for you guys. What would be your advice to somebody who maybe doesn't consider themselves a people person, but wants to either move up in leadership or just be a leader? Well, one of, one of the books that has been recommended on this podcast that's pretty well known and it it will be recommended more in the future by other leaders I'm sure is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Reading a book like that can be really helpful. It's kind of a classic and it's such a classic that some people just think that they don't need to read it. You know, it's like sometimes if if it's if it's mentioned enough, people will just say, "Hey, it's like I've already read it. I've heard it talked about so much." But a book like that can really give some people some insight on how to interact with people in ways that they may not be interacting with them at the moment. It may shed some light on some areas where they might be overlooking or just not even thinking about that. That would be an initial recommendation I would have without knowing any other particulars of a, of a given situation. So thinking about um, maybe if you think you're not a people person or leadership strengths need to be more cultivated, the best way that I've experienced to kind of get better at sharpening our skills, like if we don't think we're strong in inclusivity or directness, is to find someone who does model that. And honestly, I find as people, when we hang around someone, we naturally start to pick up their habits. Um, so to me, I think books are also great, obviously, if you, especially if you're intimidated by do, following someone around <laughs> yeah. and, or going up to them and saying, can I learn from you? But I think, yeah, looking into books and people who model those things is a great way to sharpen those skills. Yeah, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, not just looking for people who model what you're looking for, but also those that maybe model or embody the opposite way of thinking, and that way you can kind of refine your own way of thinking and and your own skills. Yeah, I think having a balance is really important in that regard, having people that you can become like, people that you can look to, but also people that can kind of refine your way of thinking because they think so differently. And I, I can say that some of my best friends are people that our belief systems are significantly different, but because of that, they've been able to help me and I I think I've been able to help them as well. So uh, along that relationship line, I'm wondering if you have examples that you can think of in your life where you took time as a group, 
whether it's people that all are similar or a group of people that's fairly different, a time where you've put in the effort to to build relationships in a way that really helped the group perform more effectively because you put in that time. I think I haven't always done that well. In fact, I can think of some pretty poor examples of times when I didn't do that and I came in just expecting that the relationships were going to be there. And because of that, I think I saw my team suffer. But, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still young. And thankfully, I was able to take away a lot from that experience. And now, now I see that that is so absolutely necessary at the forefront is to come in understanding that you're going to have people who are thinking differently and having a, a variety of a, a group dynamic. So as a resident director um, in the beginning of training in August, there's lots of sessions they have to go to. But I learned after a couple years of doing it poorly that one of the best things I could do for the team was create this specific intentional time for quality time. And it was not uh, business-based at all. It was typically we were playing games, doing something, making us laugh. Um, but it, that quality time was really huge. And I think it was huge that they saw the leader be intentional about that. And seeing that it is important to spend time with each other outside of work, I think is one of the biggest things I've learned in team building. Mm. Which as a coworker of Anna Maria, I see she does a really good job at creating team unity by making relationships a priority. Yeah. And I will say that as when I was in college and a leader on my own hall, a lot of, a lot of those relationship building things were not things that were structured. Now we did have those, but at the same time, just having stuff where people feel comfortable and can feel relaxed around each other, that helps to build relationships. And Cynthia talked about that, having times like a dinner before you really get into the business of the week or the business of the day, having a time where you can just get to know people and interact with them in a natural way is so important. Mm -hmm. So one thing I was thinking about was she pointed out that where you sit is where you stand. And the bottom line being that our experiences influence how we perceive things. And so that can become problematic when it starts to block the productivity of the the team because things are being perceived maybe more bigger than they really are. And so how can we combat or manage our tendency to act, react out of our experiences if they are compromising the productivity of a team? Because our experiences also are what make us unique and what make us this diversity to the team. So I don't want to discredit that. But yeah, how do we kind of keep a balance? So one thing that Cynthia said at the end, I thought it was was really interesting for her to bring that point up. One thing she said at the end kind of answered that question, maybe in a roundabout way. She said that if you've had adversity in your life, own that adversity. Mm. And then she said, It's going to make you a better person. It's going to make you stronger and it'll help you to connect better with people. And I think that if you can be a better person, be a stronger person and connect better with people through your adversity, then that's a, that's a huge thing. It, Mm -hmm. It gives you some perspective that you otherwise wouldn't have when you are in a minority viewpoint, but at the same time, if you own that and allow it to propel you to better leadership, then that's a really positive thing. It kind of keeps you from thinking of yourself as the victim. And it helps you to say, how can I turn this otherwise bad situation 
into something that's better. Yeah, I agree with that. And I would say a word that comes to mind, and she might not have used this word directly, but humility, having the ability to say, hey, I'm not always right. And having the the humility to sometimes apologize when you let your opinions take you too far or uh, you let your passions get in the way of relationships and um, just being able to work together productively on a team. So having a constant mindset of humility, and I agree along those lines of of owning your adversity and, and using that as a way to say, hey, you know, I'm human and I have had very real experiences just like you. And so I think connected to that, but also maybe slightly different, Cynthia talked about times where maybe she did have a, a minority viewpoint or a viewpoint that was being overlooked. And she talked about having to take a role that didn't necessarily feel natural to her because sometimes you need to step up and be courageous, step up and be the leader that no one else in the room is willing to be. And so I'm wondering, has there ever been a situation in your life that you can think of where you had to stand up and be the leader that no one else in the room wanted to be? Because I think there's a super important element of being a leader, being willing to be courageous and stand up when no one else is willing to take a stand. Um, you know, most of my most of my decisions and positions that I've been in now as an adult have been my choices and I don't think I've necessarily been uncomfortable in taking some of the positions I've taken, but I do remember in high school when I was in my youth group, the pastor would constantly tell me to go seek out any students when they were new and they they didn't know anybody. Uh, and that was really uncomfortable for me because even though I was outspoken and extroverted, going up to somebody that you've never met before and you might not get along with at all can seem a little intimidating, but I made a practice out of it. And soon enough, like that, that became something that I value even to this day. And whenever I'm in a group, a public setting, and I see that there's somebody being left out, I will personally go and and talk to them and see if I can connect them to someone. Yeah. And that's, that's super important. One thing that Cynthia talked about is when you are new on a board, she would recommend to new board members to go ahead and raise your hand to speak up, to be the first to second the motion, and and just get involved however you can. Because the quicker you do that, the quicker you feel comfortable actually going into those leadership positions. There's just something to actually doing it that really helps you become used to it. It's uncomfortable at first. But Anna Maria, any thoughts on how to be that protector, be that, that courageous person who's willing to stand up when no one else is? Funny enough, the example that stands out to me was in the third grade. No surprise, girls can be pretty mean. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to wait till middle school to start. But there was one girl in my class who had kind of created a coup um, with all the other girls. That but sounds one. impressive. <laughs> I didn't know that word in the third grade. But <laughs> basically, she um, brought this journal to school and it said lots of mean things in it. It was honestly kind of like the original burn book mm. from anyone that's ever watched Mean Girls. And one of them was specifically talking about my best friend, calling her fat. And I remember kind of having being offered this invitation to sort of be in this group, this club. But I basically had to forfeit this friendship. And it honestly, I, did, I remember not even thinking twice and thinking, no, that, that sounds like a terrible idea. That's... Mm. But it, 
I was very, that was a very protective moment, Mm -hmm. you know, specifically not just for like what's right, but for this friend that I clearly have a lot more background with than this other girl with her journal. But that's honestly the earliest memory I have when I think of a moment where I had to kind of be courageous and take a risk. Yeah. And the stakes can feel like they're a whole lot higher in third grade, right? Oh, completely. I'm, I, it was like social suicide, but it was, but I knew it was what it was supposed to get done. Yeah. How, how did that end up though? Uh, I was not fr- friends with that group of friends and my friend and I were happy as clams. Hmm. There you go. Do you guys have any examples of maybe somebody who mentored or sponsored you that maybe led to a position you ended up in or even just an interest in something? So yeah, mentors being someone who will guide you along a path will, will help, will help you grow in like personal and professional ways. And then a sponsor being someone who will really go to bat for you in kind of like inner circles, someone who's going to put their name on the line in order to help you move forward in, in your career, something like that. Almost like a co-signer. Yeah, exactly. On a car. The reputation's on the line. Yeah, but they obviously have enough trust and belief in you that they're they're willing to take that risk right. with their own reputation. Yeah, so we're kind of like skirting around the issue. I think I, I can't say that I actually have had someone who's been a sponsor. Now, I have had great relationships that have helped me get to positions, but I haven't really had that person that will take my name into places that it otherwise wouldn't be in order for me to get a particular job or position. I will say that I'm sure things like that have happened that I wasn't aware of. And people will put in a good word for me. But not some the way Cynthia talked about it is that, that that there would be someone that you've developed a relationship with, helped them out, and you go to them and say, hey, will you help me get to this point? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a more formal thing, it seemed like. And I haven't had anything like that, although I don't want to discredit the many people who have put in good words for me and helped me get to places that I otherwise couldn't have gotten. I actually have had some experiences with sponsors and it's been truly life-changing. I think of three specifically. One was a, I call her my high school mentor, but I would absolutely call her a sponsor. She actually literally did co-sign with me on my first car. Oh, wow. Uh, one was in college. Um, there was the the student leadership director, she definitely helped put in a good word for me to, for the job I currently have. And then the person I work for now at my counseling job, she all the time is putting in good word for me with different other places to, to get plugged in for other counseling opportunities. Yeah. Michelle, anything for you? Yeah. I probably haven't been in a position where I've been sponsored by someone on the inside, uh, but I definitely have had great mentors, great references to, I guess I might call them somewhere in between (laughs) mentor and sponsor Uh, people who, you know, are not, I've had bosses who are not related to the field I'm currently in, but every time I call them and I say, hey, I need a reference, you're pretty recent, they will always be like, absolutely, I'll put in a good word for you. And that's really awesome to have, even though they know nothing necessarily about my field, they're willing to speak on my character or my work ethic. Um, So I think it's definitely important to make sure that any kind of mentorship or any kind of position you're in, you are making good relationships and valuing those and um, not taking for granted the experience you have. It might not be related to what you're going to do long term, but 
are you using that time and that work experience in a way that someone would recommend to you for a position? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and having talked to Cynthia, I know that she's the type of lady who, from where she is now, she wants to help people. She wants to bring people up with her. She wants to help people get to, to new places that uh, may be hard to get for them. And she wants to be the person that, that helps them along. And I really appreciated that about her. But let's go ahead and go to our key takeaways for this week's interview with Cynthia. Anna Maria, what are some of the things you'd like to leave with listeners? The key takeaway first is that she described leaders as inclusive, direct, and approachable. I think those are three very important things that I know I would appreciate in a leader. Yeah. Uh, secondly, I would say that she reinforces that one of the most important things is creating trust among members of the team. That's good. Michelle, how about you? Yeah, I definitely had the same takeaway of the need for trust. But also, I think something she said pretty early on was that nobody gets to leadership by flying solo. And I think that was pretty much a theme throughout the entire conversation with her, that it's true. We we can't expect that our own abilities, our own talents are going to land us that position we want if we're not willing to have relationships with other people, even if it's outside of your comfort zone to be building relationships and networking. Those are important. And it's a it's a need in any workplace to get along with your coworkers. And I have three takeaways. First of all, for the leader, stand up when others are too nervous to do so, because that really sets you apart as a leader and helps you to grow as a leader. Second of all, for the leader of leaders, make sure that every voice is heard. And finally, people want to see their better selves in their leaders. So if you have had adversity, like Cynthia talks about, own it because it's going to make you a better person. It's going to make you stronger and it will help you to connect better with other people. So people want to see their better selves in their leaders. Well, Michelle, Anna Maria, thank you for joining the podcast this week. Thanks, Thanks Josh. Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, share this episode with someone you think could benefit from it. And three, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All three of these actions will help to make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. 
So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon, and until then, keep living and leading well.